Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972, and they provide the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing. But more importantly, with the quarantine going on and the blizzard warnings coming up for the next couple of days, they are your one-stop shop for everything and anything snow plows. They have snow plow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted to meet your exact mounting specifications. And they're double-sided, so you get twice the use out of them. They have been here in Denver, locally owned since that 1972 date when they opened. And snow plows, obviously, they got you covered. They also make a bunch of other awesome stuff as well. If you have any type of manufacturing project going on, there's a good chance they can produce something to help you. So give them a call for any of that, and specifically snow plows at 1-800-259-0010, or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr, and let them know we sent you. And Cole gets another good righty, and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen! Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try, and you can go download their app and sign up for their loyalty program to not only get great deals, but also get that alcohol delivered right to your door so you don't even have to leave your own home to get the hookup. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We just finished game one of the 01 Cup Finals, Avs versus Devils, as Joe Sackick, captain, led the Avs to a 5-0 domination of New Jersey. AJ, was it as it as good as you remembered? Better, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Um, I, I didn't remember how that series had played out outside of game six and seven. I was really very unfamiliar with the first five. I did not remember at all that game one was an obliteration that they just took them to pound town and boy, did, did Joe Sackick do some dirty things to Scott Stevens and Marty Brodeur in that game? Those are two hall of famers that he took out to the woodshed. It was awesome. That second goal was just absolute filth man like that that beats defensemen in the league today i don't even care what you say oh yeah i mean the guy the guy's literally swimming on his hands and knees and like just praying at the altar of sackick as he watches him do his thing it's so nasty it was just legendary stuff and 
this was Sackick in the biggest series all the time. This is what he did. Yeah, exactly. He showed up in the moments and um, look, there's a reason why he's the captain, right? He was able to lead this team to games like this one. Um, so the other person who I was most impressed by of, of what we got to watch out of the game was a little bit of a uh, Mr. OG clutch himself. Chris Drury did score a goal, which he, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we always knew like it's, it's funny. If I put out a poll on Twitter right now, what's the worst abs trade in history? It would be, I think split between Drury and O'Reilly. But definitely, uh, Drury really would be the O'Reilly trade is that bad. I, I, there's that segment of the fan base that's still like furious about it. I still think Drury would win that poll, but I think those two would dominate the answers, yeah, probably. So, um, and and what going back and watching this, it really was a good reminder. And like, this is Chris Drury, like the beginning of his career. This is what, like, the second or third season of his career. And he was just so good. I mean, playing playing on a line, you know, you, you remember there's no Forsberg in that game. Yep. Uh, so they they had a lot of, like, depth guys. Here. And Drury was kind of their, their cadre fish out of water. Or I need some help around me. What am I going to do? You know, Dan Hynote makes a nice play uh, centering the centering the puck to him on his goal. But... Watching Drury, man, he made a handful of things happen just on his own. He was really a, a, a such a great complimentary player for them. Yep. The exact type of player that they would love to have to round out their top six right now. <laughs> um. oh. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> the things the things I would do to get Chris Drury back. To get to get a Chris Drury clone uh today. Oh my god. The Avs certainly wouldn't struggle nearly as much in overtime. That's for sure. Well, between between Sackick and his NHL record number of OT goals and and Chris Drury, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I let's go to the beginning of this game. What was the very first thing you noticed? Both of us tried to go into this pretty blind as as, as a fresh look at it. Uh, are the, we talking hockey or production? Hockey. We'll get to production okay. in a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, the hockey, I, I think the thing that I noticed was that every single touch of the puck was met with a hit. Yep. The physicality was ramped up 5,000 times what we see today. Even in today's postseason, you don't see physicality on that level. And they, you know, the announcers were making specific note of it saying, oh, Colorado is... You know, Colorado was trying to make a point here with the physicality, but like as the game went on, like that was just what they were doing. It was they just every every puck touch was met with. Okay, well, the 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 puck is you know it, it's it's been gone for three seconds, but Eric Messier is going to chase down Colin White just to hit him, and it was like okay, this is. I mean, you're way out of position now, but you send that message. You had 40-year-old Ray Bork lining up dudes in the neutral zone in this game. <laughs> like, it's just such a different world. And part of that is the two-line pass, obviously. But yeah. there was no quarter for anyone. If you touched the puck, you just knew you were going to get hit. And 
that's part of the game. I don't, I, it's so different. I, I wonder what the, the difference is in the people that listen to this pod regularly. I'm sure the older fan base all knows and understands this, but I, I really do wonder what the, some of the younger people that listen, think about it because it's just so different. It, it was, it, there was a little bit of culture shock. Like that's the hockey we grew up on, but it's changed so much so subtly over so many years that it's not because it, it wasn't like, you know, hockey finished one season and then the next season started. And it was like, Hey, this is a completely different game. You know, the, the lockout certainly changed a lot of things, but it wasn't yeah. that drastic. It's, it's crazy to see what 20 years of evolution of hockey has done to the game, done to the speed of it, the physicality, um, watching even, even just the special teams, you know, where, where was the drop pass? Where'd that drop pass yeah, at? It didn't exist. <laughs> they couldn't get into the zone. All they were doing was flipping pucks up over heads and trying to chase it down. And goalies just were wandering around like lost, uh, like, like lost little kids at the mall, <laughs> just retrieving pucks whenever yeah. they felt like it, man. It was, it was madness. Well, that, I mean, that blew my mind as well. You know, you have, you have memories of the way certain players are. And in the first period, the devil's, blast a shot in from the neutral zone on Wah and he stops it but he like stumbles and falls over <laughs> and it's like what is happening right, right. now it was like it was like a rocket off of his really god awful ugly coho pads <laughs> I, I actually like the coho pads hang, hang on a minute I love I love that he had coho I did not love that those were ugly man those particular pads are ugly I I didn't hate. I mean, they're not like particularly Avs centric or anything, but I didn't hate them. Oh, um, they were hideous. And uh, see, I'm in the minority here as well, though, because I much prefer colors at home versus then, versus whites at home for jerseys. What? Yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> we need to find somebody else on this beat with me. Where's Evan right now? Get him this in is, here. This is over. Why? Why would you wear your whites at home? Like because the, that's proper. That's what I grew up I don't on. That's care the right about way. Proper. You. Who else would you wear your colors for if not your hometown fans? Like, ah, what's ugly. the point of even having colors otherwise? <sighs> that's a philosophical question that I don't know how to tackle right now. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll stick to the hockey then. Obviously, the Avs ended up getting the shutout, as most people already knew in this game. But I guess I kind of forgot how strong defensively these old Avs teams were. Like, obviously, yes, they had Ray Bork. Yes, they had Rob Blake. But and Adam they just Foot. yeah, and Adam Foot too. And they just completely smothered that Devils team. I mean. The chances were few and far between for the Devils throughout that game. Well, and you remember, this was not a high-scoring Devils team. This was a team that had to play from ahead. They were not yeah. very good trying to come back and climb back into games. They had to play as kind of a five-man unit uh, that that Don't generated plenty of that in game two. Yeah, that that generated they they generated offense their own way. You know, a lot of a lot of grind, a lot of muck. Um, they were not. They were not anything that we would ever consider explosive. Like their their top line, Jason Arnott. Like Jason Arnott was a really good, solid NHL player for a long time. But a one C against Joe Sackett, 
Girl, please. That ain't it. That ain't it. It's not even close to it. Ah, we'll go ahead and wrap up the first period here as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Sitting here sipping on an Avalanche Amber Ale, as I do when the Avs win, even if it is back in 2001. They, they're they delicious. We actually got a sampler, the 12-pack the sampler from them for this series. And I got their new uh, their seasonal, the Raspberry Wit. It's delicious, by the way. Highly recommend you give it a try. If you want it, as previously mentioned, you can get it from Davidson's. You can also get it delivered through other apps and things like that. Drizzly is the one that I use. It's an alcohol delivery service. So your Breckenridge brew is out there. Just get somebody to go grab it for you and deliver it to your door. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, still presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's still AJ. The Avs crushed the New Jersey Devils in Game 1. You alluded to it before, but I don't know about you exactly how you felt about it, but when that ESPN jingle came on, total chills for me. Oh, I mean, the nostalgia factor in this was insane from... Not just that, but I mean, even the music that they were playing in the arena, and like one of the one of my favorite parts of uh, playoff hockey now is like the production that they put into like the the highlight packages. Yeah, and that they had Lifehouse as the band <laughs> playing over top Hanging of it. A moment, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, like it was like a flashback to like eighth grade, where I was just like, oh my god, where you know. Eighth grade, eighth grade AJ thought that he was super duper in love with his first ever girlfriend. And like, <laughs> that was like one of the big songs at the time. So it was, it was like, oh my God, like running it back. Right. And then over top of hockey highlights with Gary Thorne and Bill Clement, it was insane. I was, I didn't know how to handle all of the things that I was trying that that I was feeling at the time. It was a lot of a lot of nostalgia it, just hitting me right in the face. It really like I was good until they started introducing the players and they panned to Tange and he had hair, dude. Like well, he was like two years into his career. Yeah. He was baby Tangs. It was the whole thing was like like Hey Duke and Tange and Drury, like they were all little BBs. I was see, like, oh, dude, this is adorable. Hayduk still doesn't look that old to me, like even today. So I could get by on that one. But seeing Tang's baby face was like, what is happening? I can't <laughs> handle this right now. Um, and it's it's crazy to think how fast those things developed. Like this was 2001. And so Joe Sackick would be around for another seven years, but. Obviously, Ray Bork would retire at the end of the season. Yeah, A couple years later, Drury would be gone. Forsberg didn't play in the series, but he'd be gone with the implementation of the salary cap. And this team would be wildly, wildly different just a couple years down the road. So it really is a, I hate to be cliche about it, but it's a a picture in time kind of of what was, in my opinion, some of the best abs hockey ever. It's it's wild to think that Alex Tangay in this series was like BB Tangs and he was on the last WA team. Yep. Like, buh. 
like the last team that was coached by Patrick Waugh. Like, it's so strange, dude. Like it, the whole thing was just so, it was, it was really bizarre, but it was really cool. And the production of it was awesome. Uh, I seriously loved getting to go back and see the old graphics and the old music. It was, it was awesome. Like the NHL and ESPN theme was, was fantastic. And like that partnership, not having that after the lockout did so much damage to the league. Yeah. Remember they came back on and it was like, Oh, Hey, we have a TV deal with versus what is versus. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even NBCSN back then. It was just versus. Oh, you would watch a hockey game. I remember this very vividly. I would watch a hockey game and then the lumberjack Jack Olympics would come on yeah. after a hockey game. And don't get me wrong. The Lumberjack Olympics was dope, but very, very niche. <laughs> yeah, it was OLN originally. You guys yeah. are right in chat. Thank you. Um, it became versus pretty quickly, but yeah. Uh, look at look at all these people in chat agreeing with me that colors at home are the best. AJ, get out of here. <laughs> That's fine. I'm taking the squad with me out here. Yeah, all all of the younger people will agree with you, and all the older people agree with me. It's fine. <laughs> I don't I don't mind that at all. So that was kind of the other thing. Uh, I forgot how intense things got after whistles back then, just because of all the stuff you could get away with. Obviously, there's still plenty of scrums in the NHL after whistles and things like that. But like Dan Hino just straight up got punched in the back of the head and it wasn't even a penalty in this game. (laughs) There were, I mean, the the things that Ken Danico did in this game alone, <laughs> I mean, th- he did like four different suspendable things in today's game. The the boarding being most notable of them. Yeah. Where he like. The puck is in the corner and he just destroys. Yeah. Into the end board. Just smashes Dan Hynote. Yeah. Who then pops right back up and then is like giggling about it. And then Colin White is like, let me tackle you again. (laughs) And it was just so bizarre because it was like, it was this just life back then? Like, and you knew like, yes, the answer was yes. That was just how it, how it went. That's why Pierre Lacroix traded for an enforcer every six months. Yep. But it, it was, it was kind of striking to see because if we would have seen that Danico hit on Dan Hino in today's game, we would have all been like, that is a, that is five games. Yep. Goodbye. Easy. You were like, done for this series. Yep. Like, blah, bye. So it, uh, <laughs> the whole, the, the, the physicality and the way that it was, uh, you sack it on the PK. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. he, when he gets, he gets past Rafalski, like grabs his arm and twists him on three different times. He gets a hold of his arm Literally and it drops like, his stick to just bear hug this dude. <laughs> like, like we saw softer holding calls in the last abs game that we got to see. Like yep. it was, it was just insane, man. Just the, <laughs> Just watching the physicality of it and watching like what uh what the guys got away with. And like we we always watch the po- the postseason these days and we 
we say, oh, what's, you know, why don't they officiate the game the same way? But this was a whole different level. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, a little bit of this is it is the cup final, so it's even more ridiculous. Yeah. But it was very much the way things were played back then. Yes, Pete, I agree. AJ needs a webcam. Someone send him one. We we had this conversation. That's that's happening. It just yeah. we 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 literally started this thing with like three days of lead time. So yeah. we we've, we've been uh, throwing stuff together quick here. So yeah, a lot of ideas coming together very fast as we try and uh, find content when the when society basically got canceled, collapsed. <laughs> so we're we're doing it on the fly. We'll get AJ a webcam soon enough, so you're not just staring at my face the whole time. You have another person to look at, but until then, you'll have to deal with me and my my three-headed monster shirt. So, oh, it's a great shirt. Uh, the new signing, uh, that's a it's an AHL signing. Cal Burke signed with the Eagles, so not super relevant to the Abs, really. Yeah, I mean, kind wait and see. But this isn't even like Logan O'Connor level, right? Didn't even get an NHL deal. Is he better than Cam? No, no. No. And he has two last names, and you don't ever trust a guy like that. Um, is two last names or two first names worse? Two last names. Really? Yeah. Two first names is bad, but I'm not trusting anybody with two last names. I Two first names is way weirder to me than two last names. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got signed... Yeah, by the AHL team. Right, he got, an, he got an AHL deal, and Morrison could go to free agency and potentially get an NHL deal from another team. So, My name is Nathan Rudolph. That's true. Is Rudolph a first name? It doesn't really seem like it. Maybe it is to some people. I guess that's an old school first name. And to be fair, I go by Rudo now to everyone, so. Yeah, Okay. So well, now, I now guess, we're off the rails. Yeah, you can't trust me. You cannot trust me because I have two first names. Anyway, getting back into the hockey, it was interesting to me personally seeing Patrick Waugh versus Broder in the sense of you talked about goalies were YOLO life and it out there playing pucks. Oh my God. And every time Broder went out and played a puck, I was like, that guy looks like he knows what he's doing. Whereas when Patrick Wall would leave the net, I was like, Oh no, don't no! What are you doing? Stop. Well, and we saw the difference between the two as Brodeur kickstarted multiple, um, uh, breakouts for them. And yeah. Wad got confused behind his own net the one time and nearly gave up, up an easy goal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like he ended up having the puck stolen from him and thrown out in front of his net while he was still back there. Yep. Like, he got lucky that they just blindly threw it, and Adam Foote was the only guy who happened to be standing there at the time. So it was it was pretty striking to see the difference. And we always knew, like, Wah, not known for being good at handling the puck, but certainly his willingness to. Yeah, he never lacked confidence, we'll put it that way. Right. There was, there was never anything uh, that he was not afraid to try, uh, but... It was it was interesting. Brodeur had even had the one play where he tried <laughs> he tried to clear the puck up the middle, yeah, and it got batted down and it ended up in turning into a scoring chance for Eric Messier, where it was like, dude, this is insane. If a goalie did that today, a coach would lose their mind. <laughs> 
but because Brodeur was so good at it and he was so important for for moving the puck out of the defensive zone for that particular team, it was just like whatever. Like you live with it. You just let him do it. And it was easy to see as much as I hate the trapezoid as a rule, like it was easy to see why the league thought this is a problem. Yeah. Because it just played to their style so well. And it allowed them to be just so much better at it because they had a unique talent in, in Broder rule was literally created because of Broder. Right. Like, very specifically, because goalies that can move the puck like that that well do not come along very often. So I, I'm still in favor of removing the trapezoid entirely. We talked about this the other day as well. I think yeah. the trapezoid is stupid. I'd be, I'm all for getting rid of it. I, if a goalie is good at handling a puck, let him be good at it. Like that's right. That makes him more valuable. It's not just about stopping pucks. Handling a puck is part of the job. You and I think I think if there's a guy who's really good at it and has a weapon, uh, it, it could be a weapon for a team. He should be allowed to use it. Like Ben Bishop's entire career, how many how many breakouts do you think that he could help with that that really low event stars team? Yep. If they just would just let him wander out, out of the net and play the puck, exactly. But that instead, way. it just doesn't work that way now, and he gets punished for having a skill that he can't really take advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other side of that coin is there were three or four run-ins with goaltenders in this game and zero goalie interferences were called. Yeah. The second, uh, the second second goal where he cuts to the middle and, and they're all falling back on top of Broder. I found it interesting during the broadcast that nobody said a word. And today, that would one hundred percent that would have been a goalie interference challenge today. I like how you said one hundred percent a challenge because no one has any idea if it would be well, called yeah. goalie interference. I have not. I have no idea what they're going to call, <laughs> but you know that the team that gets scored on is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, we'll say, Mm-mm, we're going to take our chances, no yeah. sir. Like, whoa, whoa, uh uh-uh, we're either going to go down 3 nothing in this game or we're going to go down 2 nothing, and all is well in the world. (laughs) Right. Ebra wrote a 10-page term paper on Patrick Waugh in high school because of how on the map he put the butterfly. That's wild. Yeah, uh, he really did, though. He changed the goaltending position entirely. And Absolutely. Guy was a pioneer for the position, no doubt. It's... It's such a strange world back then where that wasn't just what every goalie did all the time forever. So that was the uh, the other thing, too, was the uh, touch up icing. Yeah, the very first icing of the game where Adam Foote went all the way back and flipped it into the boards. Yeah, weirded me out for sure. It did. And then there were those moments uh, at the end of the period because the abs were playing stupid. And they kept icing the puck in the last 15 seconds. They did it twice at the end of the first and second periods. Yep. And you just watched as just time was just getting wasted. Yep. Because there was a guy that was going back and had to physically touch it. Like, they probably lost, especially the end of the second period, they probably lost a solid three seconds because they had to go back and touch it up. Definitely. It it made a big, big difference. 
It All right. Was, it, it, that was one of the changes that we go back and you look at and you're like, you know, this one, I think. And I think that it was one that people in the game wanted for a long time. And yeah. I don't ever hear anybody complain about it, really. I think that right. was a good change. It was a safe change. It made everything better. A good, solid, all-around change. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that one. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up the second period of the podcast here. But you know what it took to play hockey back then, AJ? Are you going to say balls? I am going to say balls. Yes! You were on point with that one. And that means it's time to top talk even about manscaping they offer some precision engineered tools for your family jewels their new redesigned electric trimmer is an amazing thing to behold they took 18 months to perfect the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released it it's the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 the trimmer features Features cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. So, your balls are safe out there. You're not going to end up like Patrick Wozjock, according to Jeremy Roenick, as it were. So, you're good. You're covered. You can use code DNVR20 to get 20% off your purchase when you sign up for Manscaped. And you'll get free shipping as well. So, they got it covered. Make sure your junk is looking nice, even during this quarantine time. Know a lot of people are spending a lot of time. They're stuck with their significant others. Make sure it's clean and ready and get that 20% off with DNVR20. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Ruto and AJ. All right. Obviously, Joe Sackick, I think, was the most impressive part of this game. Yeah, but agreed. Very quietly, and, and unfortunately, the feed we had did not show Rob Blake's goal. But he had three points in this game. Just kind of chugging along, picking up assists, and then scoring a power play goal. He's really good. <laughs> yeah, the the play that he made on the uh on the first the first goal. Yep. Um from the from the the blue line up against that board was it was really I mean that's a it's a great outlet pass and it was one of the things that made Blake so effective. You know, the yeah. defense and all that like that's all good 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 and well. He was a phenomenal defender, but his vision, and it wasn't just about his crazy killer slap shot. His vision on that play was really good. Uh, and then, obviously, the play that Hayduke made, you know, settling down the puck and hearing Sackick call for it and hitting him in stride, really, really good. But, I, I mean, just Blake, I mean, he stood out. Both Bork and Blake, I thought, really jumped out in that uh, in, in game one. You could just see how how they played off of each other and how effective they were in uh, creating offense and, and generating scoring chances because both had killer slap shots from the point. And we saw a number of good scoring chances come from both of them. Yep. Yeah. They, the slap shots are, are one thing. Obviously Blake, one of the hardest shooters of all time. And then Bork, one of the biggest volume shooters of all time. Most accurate. Yep. So uh, that was well known. And, I don't. I I guess I have a a remember and forget relationship with that because on the one hand Blake was the engineer of the legendary uh, lob pass to Forsberg, yeah. But 
at the same time, when I think of Rob Blake, I don't think, oh, elite breakout pass type of player. So yeah, he's not going to, I mean, you're not going to get confused with Duncan Keith or anything, you know, watching him with the stretch passes, but he could do it. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a huge part of his game, but it, as obviously as we just saw, it was there and he was just so good at everything. When he was on top of his game, he was just, he was the kind of defenseman that New Jersey just simply didn't have. And, right. you know, Scott Stevens, uh, uh, Niedermeyer and Brian Rafalski, like those three guys were really good. And Colin White was like rock solid back then before Chris Drury embarrassed I mean, him. That's, like that defense really epitomizes that era for New Jersey, right? There was, yeah massive hits and just total shut down, grind it out. You're going to hate your life playing against these guys type defense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ken Danico doing kind of the job for them that the abs are trying to get out of Ian Cole these days. Yep. You know, that defensive defenseman, very physical presence, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it was interesting to see matched up against Colorado's speed and skill because that, I mean, you look at those rosters and, it's a significantly more skilled abs team than uh, than the Devils, but there were still some guys. There were still some killers on those teams. You know, young Scott Gomez, Alexander yeah. McGillney, Patrick Eliash, uh, Bobby Holik was was really good. Jason Arnott, like they weren't bad by any means. Not at all. That they won the cup the year before. Like, well, this one goes seven games. Right. We have three losses that we're going to have to sit through. Yeah. Game two is going to be painful. I don't remember game two, so. No, there's not much to remember, going to be honest. Uh, Okay. Hope you tune in anyway. Um, I mean, a lot of people were playing hurt in this series, Winkler. Ebrif mentioned uh, Rob Blake missed a bunch of this game, just going back down the tunnel, dealing with stuff, so. I I actually don't know the answer to that. AJ, do you know? Uh, Were the abs favored this year? Were they the the betting favorites or not in 01 yeah they were they were also president's trophy they were the best team in the nhl by far that season there you go aj with the statistics bringing them in hot that part i remember about the season yeah but they were wire to wire the best team beginning to end based on game one it's pretty easy to see why i would say (laughs) well and after after going to dallas and having to and losing two game sevens in a row they were they were like, nope, we're taking the, the regular season. We are going to dominate. We're going to make sure that that oh, nice. yeah. you have to come through Denver. And they did. And it look how important it ended up being. No kidding on that one. Also made for a great moment, but. We'll get there in two weeks. <laughs> I cannot wait, dude. <laughs> I cannot wait to experience that moment with a crowd. I hope as many people show up then if as did tonight because that was awesome. I I don't know. I can't put that moment into words. So I cannot wait for it to happen again and super excited about all of that. Yeah. Stick, sticking with the Avs game here though as as we kind of work towards the close of this podcast. This team and I guess the game in general it just felt a little bit less structured and I've been struggling with why for a long time. And I'm starting to think that it was the two line pass rule. 
it just limited what you could do on the ice so much that your options were basically get it across the red line or dump it. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, fair. There was very little speed through the neutral zone to be had, which I think was one reason why the, the first goal of the game caught me off guard. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Very quickly with a, a Rob Blake breakout. That was much more reminiscent of today's hockey than back then. Yeah. So they, they caught a guy. I mean, the entire defense is standing up at the blue line, waiting for the puck to get in. And Sackett comes flying through the neutral zone and Hayduke finds him and he gets in there by himself. Like it, it was just not a way that they, that teams played back then. You just couldn't do it on a consistent basis. You know, it's yep. funny. We talk about how transition goals are such a huge part of today's game. But you look at the way that teams had to create their offense. Uh, it was it was just so difficult to 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 get speed going through the neutral zone in in this even in this game where they won five to nothing. Uh, there were I think it was just two of the goals were transition goals were were goals where they were on the attack and the defensive structure broke down on the move, which is, which played into Colorado's advantage uh, and not, and not what New Jersey wanted at all as they tried to gum everything up. Right. Very much one, three, one classic trap style that is very hard to break down. Admittedly that you borderline cannot even do that in today's NHL. You can still muck it up. Plenty of teams do that, but the true trap that used to be in the NHL is, it's not like it was back then. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And you know, some of that is, you know, some of that is the two line passes. You mentioned some of that is the officiating. Yeah. Some of that is the skill level and the way that teams build. Now they build through speed. There, there are, there are a lot of things that play uh, in, into all of that being what it is now. Very much. Um, so that was game one. Uh, obviously a, a great win for the Avs, a great way to start off this series. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who watched along with us. It was awesome. If not, you can always go watch it on YouTube. The The links are out there. We have tweeted them out. And I hope everyone comes back for game two on Friday, same time. Well, different place, actually. It'll be on the DNVR Twitch. Uh, but super excited to to run through this series and, and hope all of y'all are, are willing to make the journey with us. So. Any final thoughts, AJ, before I close this out? Got to have Drew on in the future so that we can get his uh, his oh, yeah. perspective of this, too. Absolutely. De- probably game two might not be a great game for it, but we definitely needed to get Drew on for an Avs win. Yeah. So look forward to that as well. The DNVR Twitch link is DNVR Sports. Go follow DNVR it. DNVR underscore sports. Yes, DNVR underscore sports. Go follow it on Twitch if you haven't yet. That's where we're going to be running a lot of this stuff out of, especially during the quarantine. A lot of live stuff on there. Um, yep. Yeah. Other than that, thank you again for everyone turning out. You all know the drill by now. We still do this podcast five days a week. So if you're not live, thank you for listening after the fact. And we will talk to you tomorrow. As StravaCraft says, drink deeply, live fully, and watch the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup.
StravaCraft coffee is the CBD coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups and also whole bean or ground, whatever type of coffee you like. You can purchase online and get 20% off when you use code DNVR20. And be sure to tag Strava and DNVR when you purchase. We'll definitely show you some love over on Twitter for supporting the community, especially in times like these. You can order online. You can get it shipped straight to your door, so that's not a problem. And, of course, it's been known to help things like long-term migraines, anxiety, arthritis, IBS, and many other aches and pains. Again, just be sure to get that 20% off when you order. Use code DNVR20. DNVR Avalanche.